The Dems in the House of Representatives are pushing packing the Supreme Court and pushing the elimination of the filibuster. Good luck. It must be nice to be a Marxist. And the left is trying to figure out how to get conservatives to take their COVID vaccine. That should be interesting. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Okay, a lot of news today. Hey, guys, relax. It'll probably not happen. Matter of fact, there's more chance it's not going to happen than anything else. But if it does we've got some problems. House Democrats are planning to introduce a bill that will pack the court by four justices. It will go from nine to 13 and overturn the textualist majority. Now, right now, the court supposedly is at six to three with textualists. Um, John Roberts is not exactly a textualist looking at his voting record, but adding those four will bring the major will bring it the majority to a uh, 9 to 3 what is that 6 to 3 7 to 6 uh majority for activist judges because all four would be picked by Joe Biden now mind you the reason the democrats I, I waited to do this podcast because i wanted to hear what these guys had to say and if they would say anything that made any sense and they said nothing that would make any sense So you might hear that they were talking about, well, there are 13 districts of the judiciary, so there should be 13 Supreme Court justices. That made absolutely no sense. And the reason is because the Supreme Court is supposed to be independent of anything. So it doesn't matter how many, there could be 1,200 justices, but uh, uh, federal districts. But it doesn't make any difference because the reality is uh, the Supreme Court doesn't care about the federal area when it comes to the judiciary. So this was a dumb argument. And of course, what they want to do is this is something they pushed. They pushed that, well, this will make the the Supreme Court not nonpartisan, which is just a complete lie. If it's nonpartisan... Right now, it's about as nonpartisan as you're going to get because textualists do not care about the actual politics of a law. They only care if the words in the Constitution match what the law says. And if it doesn't, then they rule it as unconstitutional and basically the laws go back to the states. This is what seems to be really weird. Well, that's not what Democrats want. What what Democrats want is they want to make it into a majority activist court, which, by the way, is nonpartisan, but they're, they're playing with words. They're twisting with words. They're twisting words. I really, truly believe that the biggest problem we have in this country is we don't understand how all this crap works when it comes to the Constitution. And people will buy it. And of course, one of the things the bill will do will also eliminate the fil- uh, the filibuster, which is basically a minority rights tool. Last year, the Senate used the, fil- Senate and the House used 
uh, filibuster 256 times. Now, that seems like a lot. Okay, well, the filibuster is interfering. Yeah, Democrats were using the filibuster. I think you should use the filibuster. Even if the Democrats have the minority, I think the filibuster is something you don't get rid of. Because here's the thing with law. The filibuster is seen as a way to prevent laws being made. The filibuster is in there because laws should not be easy to make. They should be very hard, and it should be bipartisan. But the filibuster makes it if a certain group in the House doesn't think... And here's how the filibuster works. When a law is being presented and it's filibustered, it makes it that a majority cannot stop. A majority cannot make the law. If a filibuster, Nancy Pelosi, holds the record for filibustering by something like 200 hours, something crazy like this, when a filibuster actually happens, then you need the Congress to actually vote by 60%, in specifically when you're looking at the uh, when you're looking at the Senate, the Senate has to have 60 votes to kill the filibuster. Well, here's the problem: Democrats don't have 50; they they have a 50-50 split, and then Kamala Harris would vote. But here's the problem: with the filibuster, 60 people would have to vote, and if 50 Republicans theoretically go in and believe that this bill that the Democrats are throwing out there is bad, they'll filibuster it, and there's no way they're going to get 60 votes. And basically, what ends up happening is the uh, the law dies in the Senate. That's the goal of the filibuster. I have no problem with the filibuster. I have no problems that the Democrats use the filibuster. I don't believe how they used it was good, but... Eh, whatever. I Because I know the Republicans would use it too, and I think it's a good thing. I don't think a law should be easy to pass, like a $2.5 trillion bill. I, I, I got a problem with that. I don't think that should be something that's easy to use. Um, changing voting rights. I don't think that's something that should be easily changed. I think if the Republicans really don't believe in it, they should be able to filibuster it. So here's some of the information. Um, this bill was actually sponsored by uh, Jerry Nadler, uh, Hank Johnson, um, Mondaire Jones, who is brand new. He just got put into the rep, uh, the Senate. Yeah, I'm sorry, the House of Representatives. Uh, he also was the most vocal in the press conference today. Uh, the Senate is being championed by Ed Markey of Massachusetts. Ed Markey, who, by the way, is just a communist. Ed Markey has done nothing in the Senate since he's been in there, and he's been in there for, I don't know, three, four, five hundred years. He is worthless, but he is a left wing. He makes Bernie Sanders look like a capitalist. That's how bad Ed Markey is. Um. Ted Cruz suggested that if Hillary Clinton was elected, that the Senate should actually keep the seat empty, the Supreme Court seat empty, for as long as they possibly can, bringing the the number of justices down to eight. Now, I, I wouldn't have believed that. 
I don't believe that. I think that this is not a good thing. I think you need a bipartisan, separate, separate uh, judiciary. But the thing is, this just shows how the Supreme Court has been manipulated throughout history. Now, we need to be careful. There's a difference between court packing and manipulation of history. What Ted Cruz was recommending is, is actually not a bizarre idea. When the Senate is a different party than the president, and the Senate is not going to confirm a judge for whatever reason, typically it's the Republicans will not confirm a judge if it's an activist judge, and the Democrats would not confirm a judge because he's a conservative or a textualist, because the Democrats do believe that the Constitution is a living, breathing document, even though there are, there are many writings, including the Federalist Papers, that said it's not. This is the word of law, period. If it isn't in here, you guys need to make a law. And then we determine whether it's constitutional or not. Or it's determined by the state. The states are supposed to make the laws. Gay marriage is a great thing. Roe versus Wade is a great example. All those things are great examples. If it's not in the Constitution, then the states make the law. So the overturning of Roe versus Wade always bothered me. Because, the. Uh, by the way, I'm probably not going to get through all this stuff today. I'm probably going to have to deal with some things tomorrow. But Roe versus Wade was a crappy law. It had It's nowhere in the Constitution does it talk about, about abortion. So therefore, abortion is not going to be ruled on by the Supreme Court, in theory. And the states will decide whether abortion is legal or not. That's how it should have been. The Supreme Court, the activist Supreme Court, has a tendency of coming up with something and saying, in this case, Roe versus Wade, it was about women's privacy, which is not a thing. Abortion has nothing to do with privacy. And so it was pushed through. And the Supreme Court, basically, in Roe versus Wade, was over had overstepped the laws. The problem with textualists, and this is why the left is so worried about Roe versus Wade being overturned is that um, it was really bad. It was bad precedent. And so a lot of people will say, well, well, the six, supposedly. John Roberts is not really a conservative, so we can drop that down to five. The five conservative justices might say, well, wait a minute. There's nothing about privacy and killing an unborn baby. And by the way, Roe versus Wade had nothing to do with killing unborn babies. It had nothing to do scientifically. This is why legal experts and science really conflict. It had nothing to do with the fact that the baby wasn't a baby. And then six years later, it was proven that um, humanity begins at, at conception. It was proven. It was actually proven with test tube babies. Science proved it with DNA. I mean, there was a lot of things that were actually proven four or five years later. 1980, 1981, things were actually proven in the case. But the case had nothing to do with science. It had to do with privacy and things like that. So it was a really bad judgment. 
the Democrats lost their crap after um, Chuck Schumer actually faced pressure to somehow stop the Amy Coney Barrett nomination. Well, you couldn't stop the Amy Coney Barrett. Now, what Schumer did is he used the fact that Merrick Garland didn't get put on the Supreme Court. Again, they use that as an example of how the Republicans are bad because they don't, they did something so wrong by not doing a vote or vote for Merrick Garland being, uh, being a Supreme Court justice when Barack Obama was president for the excuse, and I told you this already, for the excuse that uh, we, we're going to have a new president. Well, here's the problem with that argument. Again, a really bad argument by Democrats is that this has happened throughout history. If you have a different party between the Senate and the president, more than likely your Supreme Court nomination is not going to happen. It's happened in the past. It's happened multiple. It's happened over 10 times in the past. And it's happened in the past when the president and the Senate have this, are of the same political party. That nomination gets right through. It's happened. So it's just, it's really a, a dumb argument. Now, here's the whole thing. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has already said she has no plans to bring this to the floor. And as much as I hate Nancy Pelosi, she is a very good politician and she knows it's going to lose, especially now that the Democrats only have a two representative lead in the House of Representatives. Um, I don't think, I, I, I think that is basically an indication that this could be a death knell for the Democrats. Now, remember this. Remember this. I told you that the Democrats, this, this is not going to be popular in the country. And it's not going to be popular by a long shot. The left, they think they are, they're looking at their, what they want but the reality is, for a politician that votes for this, there's going to be a consequence. I already told you, I don't think Joe Biden wants this. That's why he sat back and said, we're going to have 120 days analysis of this with a committee of 36 bipartisan members who are experts in law and politics. And by then, it's going to be, after we actually get the report, it will be in the middle of the 2022 election cycle, and this will be dropped. I think Biden did that on purpose. The Those Democrats that I just mentioned, Nadler, Markey, Mondaire, Hank Johnson, first off, those are, those are guys who are going to win their districts. But if you have a bunch of people who are really kind of on the edge, they may not vote for this because... 60 to 70% of the population doesn't believe in court packing. And a lot of representatives are going to say, we can't do this. And I think even Democrats in the Senate are going to say, we can't do this because we've got to come up for election. I think Joe Biden pressed it by sitting back and saying, no, we're not going to do, uh, we're going to wait five months, six months, 
till the election cycle starts, and then everyone will drop this thing. I think this was actually a clever way of Biden. I, I think Biden might have made this decision because this was actually very clever to make sure that this didn't become a thing. And I don't know, maybe, maybe. Now, here's the problem. I don't think it's going to happen. And the reason I don't go, think it's going to happen is two things. One, I don't think they're going to have the votes. I, I don't think the House is going to have the votes. And I don't think the Senate's going to have the votes. So even if they did this now, which, by the way, is why they did it. They did it now because they didn't want to face this in the election cycle. If they did this now, I still think they're going to have problems with votes because I think they're going to be problems, especially in the House, where they could actually lose seats. They, I think they're going to lose seats in the House. Uh, Democrats are going to have to explain this during their election cycle, and they don't want to do it. Same with the Senate. They're not going to want to do it. You think Manchin's going to want to do this when he's trying to be reelected? Yeah, it, this is not going to be a thing. And I don't think it's going to happen. The other reason I don't think it's going to happen is I think the uh, Republicans are going to filibuster it, in the Senate at least. And if they filibuster it, it's going to require 60 votes to overturn the filibuster. And then it's going to require 50, 51 votes to make a law. I don't think they have either. So I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, by the way, that reconciliation thing, which you heard a lot about with Biden's bills, uh, the last bill was the uh, raise the minimum wage to 15. It was called the rescue plan, which raised the minimum wage to $15, $2 trillion spent. Uh, reconciliation deals only with fine and reconciliation does overturn a filibuster. You can't filibuster a bill that's been reconciled, but the reality is reconciliation only falls to uh, only falls to finance. Since there's no finance in this bill, it's not going to be subjected to reconciliation, which means a filibuster can go straight through. And just because the bill says we're going to eliminate the filibuster, I think this is going to be the, a big reason why it's going to be filibustered, because the bill says it wants to eliminate the filibuster doesn't mean that bill isn't subject to the filibuster. So this isn't going to be a thing. Uh, I really don't think it's going to happen. I think you've got some of the most ineffective members of Congress that are trying to push this law through and it's not going to happen. And you can see with the reaction of Nancy Pelosi, even Chuck Schumer hasn't said anything about this. Because they're actual politicians, they actually do have agendas that they need to get through. Their agendas are bad, but they do need to get them through. And they knew this is one of those areas where pick your battles, and this is not a battle Schumer or Pelosi are going to go through. They agree with it, but they're not going to fight those battles because it's political suicide. In our second story, uh, it must be nice to be a Marxist in a capitalist economy. According to the New York Post, Patrice Kahn Quellers, Kellers, Quellers, I don't know what her name is, 37, also IDPROP, uh, has been buying, I'm sorry, I almost read it before I even came up here, but 
Apparently, the self-described Marxist, Patrice Kahn Kellers, purchased a $1.4 million home in a secluded road a short drive from Malibu in Los Angeles. This is a 2,400-square-foot property that's been described as having soaring ceilings, skylights, plenty of uh, windows, with a canyon view. Now, I used to live in Malibu, and I, I did not see a lot of black people in Malibu. Yeah. Well, that's because there aren't a lot of black people in Malibu. Uh, they had said that there are literally less than 5% of black people in Topanga Canyon, which is where she's going to live. And actually, the total is 1.7% black. So she bought this home in Malibu, 1.4 million. And it's also kind of a weird thing. So she wasn't done. this, This wasn't her first house she bought. She also bought a custom ranch in Georgia worth about $600,000. She bought a home in Inglewood, California, at least that's mostly black area, that's worth $800,000, and she bought a 500 she bought a $600,000 house in South Los Angeles. So what does this mean? Well, she now leads in the Marxist house race, Bernie Sanders by 4 to 3. But she's not finished, according to the New York Post. She is, quote, eyeing property in the Bahamas at an ultra-exclusive resort where Justin Timberlake and Tiger Woods both have homes. The Post has learned. Luxury apartments and townhouses at the beachfront Albany Resort outside of Nassau are priced between $5 million and $20 million, according to the local agent. You know what? Here's the thing. Good for her. I have no problem with it. People are stupid enough to give her Black Lives Matter group money. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even mention that. She is the lead of the National Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. They made between 90 and $100 million since last year. They have, because they're a nonprofit, they have very little accountability to that money. And now she's going on a buying spree of homes over two, a two year period. Her homes have come up to just under $4 million that she's bought. And there was recently a complaint from non-Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter members who are not actually part of Black Lives Matter, which means they're not part of the, uh, they're not part of the management of Black Lives Matter, saying, where is this money going? You've got $100 million and we haven't seen it being distributed in the, in the, the communities, but we have seen it distributed between the different managerial members of Black Lives Matter. Hmm. Makes you kind of wonder. Well, it did make uh, Hank uh, Hawk Newsom, who runs the Black Lives Matter 
uh, movement in New York City. He's not directly affiliated with the National Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, but he has called for an independent investigation of Quellers and where Black Lives Matter is putting this money. I love this stuff. I so love this stuff. It's so cool because the left always eats its own. And by the way, well, well, I'll get to that in a second. So this is what Newsom said. Quote, if you go around calling yourself a socialist, <laughs> she's not a socialist. She is neither is Bernie Sanders. They're capitalists. And they're elitists. They don't give a damn about the little people. Uh, okay, anyway, continue. If you go around calling yourself a socialist, you have to look at how much your personal money is going to charitable causes. It's, okay, hint, it's not going to charitable causes. It's really sad because it makes people doubt the validity of the movement and overlook the fact that it's the people that carry out the movement. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is the problem with socialism. It's not the people that carry out anything. It's the people that actually do the work, or in this case, provide the service, get the money, and then know how to spend the money. It is not. Marxists don't, especially the elite Marxists, they don't care about the little people. It's all a lie. Do you think that Patrice gives a rat's ass about how many blacks are dying in Chicago? She doesn't. Do you think Patrice gives a damn that Dante Wright was shot by police in uh, Minnesota? She doesn't. What she does care about is that now her now her uh, nonprofit is going to get more donations because of it. She doesn't care. You know what? Marxists don't care. They only care about themselves. Stalin did not give a F about his own, the people that were under him. He definitely didn't give a damn about the people, about the people themselves of Russia. It's all a lie. Marxism is a lie. And then they will use capitalism for gain and to keep their gain. The point of a Marxist is to gain as much as you can with capitalism, but then try and change the system to Marxism. At that point, it can't be taken away. It's all a lie. It's a grift. It's like the guy, the Pete, the guy with the freaking nutshells and the pea game, which a pea is the uh, vegetable. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is worth $10 million. This is a man who's never worked in his life. He got kicked out of a freaking commune because he wasn't carrying his weight. It's all a lie. But he owns three homes. He sold millions of he sold millions of copies of his book. Made money off that, and then bought. I'm not faulting him for it, but then you lie about capitalism being bad, but you use capitalism to make something. It's all a lie. 
So I think it's great. I, I love seeing stories like this. I love it. It makes me absolutely happy. Okay, our third story, and I might actually catch up here. Um, for some reason, the Democrats just can't seem to get it together when it comes to this COVID vaccine things. Uh, they really want people to start taking this vaccine. And people are just not really into it. They really don't want to take this vaccine. Well, there might be some clues as to why. Um, Biden says that, you know, even though right now we've got almost 200 million vaccinated, maybe we can get together in really small groups and wearing masks by the 4th of July? Uh, uh-huh. Biden doesn't see a goal of opening schools, even though a substantial part of the adult population will be vaccinated in this first 100 days. Don't forget, 200 million people in the United States are expected to be vaccinated in about a month. So why aren't we opening schools in the fall? Tony Fauci says we should just not only not get rid of masks, we should be double and tripling masking, even if I got the vaccine. Tony Fauci just this week sat there and said, even though he's fully vaccinated, he will not go to restaurants or movie theaters because of fear of getting COVID for whatever reason. I, I personally think he doesn't go to restaurants or movie theaters because he's a tiny little man and everyone hates him and he has no friends. But I mean, we'll go. Let's just forget about that. The CDC has overreacted over the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Six people had a, blood, uh, a rare blood clotting disorder, clotting disorder. And one of them died. That sounds bad. Six people. One died. I want to emphasize that. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine was given to 7 million people. Do you know how I know there's not a lot of people that actually got this vaccine? Uh, not a lot of people that actually had severe side effects from this vaccine. When I type it into my calculator, find out the percentage, it comes up with an E on the calculator. You know why? Because at this point, it's going through scientific notation to give you the percentage. It ends up being something like four times ten to the times ten to the seventh power. It ends up being 0.704% of the people who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine actually got sick or had other side effects that were dangerous. 0.000000004% of the people. It's you have a chance of being struck by lightning if you look at that percentage twice than you do of actually catching a blood clot disorder because of the Johnson Johnson vaccine. So with all of this, you would think people don't want to take these vaccines because first, A, nothing is going to change with the vaccine. I still have to wear a mask, two, maybe three masks. I still can't go to my restaurants. I still can't send my kids to school. Hey, newsflash. Why in the F would I want to take the vaccine? By the way, I've taken the vaccine. And no, uh, this is going to be the next story. I didn't take a selfie when I took the vaccine. 
if my life's not going to change, why take it? If they're pushing that I could die, even though there's a 0.0000004% chance that I could, I could actually die from this vaccine, why would I take it? And why would I take a vaccine, by the way, for a disease, COVID, that I only have a 99.98% chance of surviving because I'm in decent health. Now, if you're thinking this is BS, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, people not getting vaccinated, I'll, I'll, I'll do it through personal experience. And I, I don't know if this is correct throughout the country, but I think that's BS too. It took me two weeks to get my first vaccine shot. I could not get an appointment scheduled. But they still think not enough people are getting vaccinated. My question is, do they think not enough people are getting vaccinated because they want to meet 200, 250,000 people by his first 100 days? Or do they really are they really worried about those people? I think it's the former. I know these vaccines were created under Trump's watch and his direction. But I worry Democrats, I worry when Democrats sit back and say, oh, everyone needs to take it. Uh, why? Because the Democrats do everything wrong. And if they really want you to take the vaccine, I kind of worry about why they want us to take this vaccine. <laughs> Maybe they want to kill half the population. Maybe they want to chemically castrate half the population. I can almost see what the conspiracy theorists are saying. I'm beginning to worry. And I've had some bad reactions to the vaccine. I'm still dealing with a bad reaction. I don't even know what to do. I've had to call a doctor and find out what's going on. Well, the media is trying to figure out why people won't take the vaccine. And Brian Stelter, he hit it right on the head. Listen to what he says. So I say all of that to make the following point. Where are Tucker and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram? Where is Ainsley Earhart and Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade? Where are the biggest stars on Fox getting vaccinated? I get it's a personal choice. I get that's between, you know, the hosts and their healthcare provider. But everybody else is doing it, right, Matt? I mean, all across television, all these anchors are, are rolling up their sleeves. Why do you think we haven't seen the biggest stars on Fox News get vaccinated or show us their vaccine selfies? How is this guy on television? I don't understand. What an idiot. First off, he's admitting that people are not getting vaccinations because the hosts of Fox News are not getting vaccinated. Uh, yeah, well, because no one's watching CNN and you're dumbass. He basically is admitting, Tucker, he even showed a chart that shows how many people are watching Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson's viewings on the week that Brian Stelter showed was higher than the entire CNN primetime. This guy's basically saying we can't get enough viewers on CNN, so Tucker Carlson should get his shot. By the way, Sean Hannity also was ahead of all of CNN viewers. So this was kind of stupid. The other thing that really gets me is, hey, everyone's doing it. You know something? Uh, someone who wanted me to take acid for the first time said the same thing to me. Hey, come on, drop this tab of acid. 
everyone's doing it. Um, that's not really, I, I thought when I was a kid, Nancy Reagan in her war against drugs basically said, don't listen to what everyone's doing. Just do your own thing. Be smart. I was like, what? And here's the difference between the elite and celebrities versus regular people. Do you really think that Rachel Maddow and Lady Gaga showing their selfies of them getting vaccinated is going to really have anything to do with me? Do you think that the reason I didn't get... I'm going to see Lady... I'm going to see... I'm going to see Robert De Niro get his shot. I'm going to say, oh, shit, I should have gotten my shot. I almost cussed. I should have gotten my shot. Oh, let me run over to the... Are you kidding? You guys think you're so... Brian Stelter showed a selfie of him getting a shot. Do you think I give a damn that Brian Stelter? I'm not getting a shot because I don't want to get a shot because I don't want to put something in my body. I don't know what it is. And it was made real quick. And there are side effects. But I turned out I got my shot not because Brian Stelter got a shot. I took my shot because um, I wanted to see my daughter and I thought it would protect my father. And that reward outweighed the risk of the shot for me. And not to mention, there have already been 15, it have been 300, there have been like 300 million people worldwide who have taken it. So I used reason why I took the shot. What arrogant pricks that they think that Tucker Carlson getting a selfie is going to make me take a shot? What is wrong with you? Hey, and by the way, he did have it right. You know what? I got my shot. I didn't take a selfie. You know why? It's none of your effing business. I don't need to post that I got a shot. That's virtue signaling, by the way. And the Fox media folks, they do what I say. Oh, yeah, I got the shot, but I didn't post it. It's just my thing. I just got the shot. That's that's the whole thing. That does matter. That does matter. I, I don't want people to see me flinch when I get the shot. By the way, I flinched when I got the shot. I barely felt it, but I did flinch. The Biden administration is really pushing this vaccine. So they sent out Pete Buttigieg uh, to talk about why it's a good thing to get the vaccine. And one of the things he basically said is, oh, hey, God sent the vaccine. By the way, Donald Trump actually had the vaccines created, so he's calling Donald Trump God is essentially what it is. By the way, God doesn't send vaccines. Man creates vaccines, and man has the decisions on whether to use the vaccines or not. God gave man the intelligence to create the vaccines, but God doesn't create the vaccines. So listen, let's listen to Pete Buttigieg. A recent poll showed that almost three in 10 white evangelical Christians uh, said they will definitely not get vaccinated. That's the second highest group in the country uh, refusing to get vaccinated uh, behind Republicans. Now, you, you've been outspoken on issues of your personal faith. Otherwise, I, I normally wouldn't bring this up. But why do you think it is that so many of your fellow uh, white evangelical uh, Christians are reluctant to be vaccinated? And what's your message to them? 
You know, sometimes I've I've heard uh, people people I care about saying, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, if uh, uh, you know I'm, I'm faithful, God's going to take care of me. And I guess what I would hope they might consider is that maybe a vaccine is part of God's plan for how you're going to take care of yourself. Well, I'll give Pete Buttigieg a little credit. At least he didn't say it was all racism and things like that. But yeah, people aren't going to listen to him. Why? Well, I mean, he's a gay married man. He's for abortion and thinks the federal government should pay for abortions. He's for drug legalization. He's for open borders. He thinks the United States is systemically racist. He believes in reparations. He believes in the Green New Deal, which, by the way, is extremely anti-religion. Um, why are Christians going to listen to this guy? I, yeah. But they they threw him out there, and he made this weird argument that he's a Catholic, and I took it, and I believe it's from God, and all that crap. It's, yeah, first off, no vaccine is from God. If God wanted you to have a vaccine, he'd just make it that you couldn't catch the disease in the first place. It's a man-made vaccine. Reasonable, pe reasonable people, including myself, really debate whether or not taking the vaccine or not. We weigh risk rewards, and then we either take it or we don't. But here's the thing. This is great. I love this. I'm glad I got through this. I know I'm running long, but I'm always going to run long. Um, but it's the Biden administration's response to trying to educate those Neanderthal conservative Christians. Um, this takes the cake. Listen to Jen Psaki on how the administration is dealing with vaccine education of Christian conservatives. Now, I do want to mind you, if you, you don't see the video, go to dumbasstalkingpolitics.com. It'll be, you can actually see the video. But she's actually reading this from her notes. In other words, this is a Biden policy for educating white conservatives, and it was approved for her to tell the media. Listen. Also investing $3 billion to states and community-based organizations to strengthen vaccine confidence in the highest risk and hardest hit communities. And often people uh, think of that as just black and brown communities, and that is not. As you've noted, that is also conservative communities, white evangelicals. It's a range of communities around the country. What we found to be most effective is to work with these local organizations. So faith-based organizations, community health organizations, civic leaders, and others who can really get this message deeply uh, in communities. We've also had a number of our um, members of our COVID team from Dr. Fauci and, uh, and Dr. Collins uh, participate, as an example, participate in a range of media interviews. You know, an example is Dr. Collins participated in the 700 Club. Dr. Nunez-Smith hosted a Faith Leaders Roundtable. Uh, we're also looking for, we've run PSAs on the Deadliest Catch. We're engaged with NASCAR and Country Music TV. We're looking for a range of creative ways to get directly connected to white conservative communities. We won't always be the best messengers, but we're still trying to meet people where they are, but also empower local organizations. Wow. Really? How are out of touch is this administration? How elitist is this administration? First off, I have never watched The Deadliest Catch. I don't watch NASCAR. I don't really care for country music. I'll listen to it. As a matter of fact, Josie, my fiance, who is Hispanic, loves country music, 
which is the only reason why I listen to country music. Yeah, she did get the shot, uh, probably because... No, she's listening to Mexican music right now. I, I haven't even heard country music from her. But I would never see any of this stuff as... I, I would never see any of this stuff. And this is insulting to assume that I do. But I'm white. So insulting white people doesn't make any difference. I'm white. I'm Catholic. I did read the Bible today. Okay, I, you know... I do all the things that Biden administration thing assumes. But here's the thing. The Biden administration sees people like me, maybe people like you. I know I have Hispanics listening to this. I even know I have a black listen to I a black person listening to this. This treats us as white trash. We're seen as white trash. Now, I, by the way, I don't see any wrong anything wrong with being called white trash. I am white trash. I totally accept it. I like it. I like my Budweiser. I like my hockey. You know? I I, I like, well, I don't know what movies white trash watches, but I like, I like move, certain movies. But, I mean, this is no different. What she said right there is no different than Hillary Clinton calling us, calling conservatives a basket of deplorables. It's the same damn thing. Finally, if you think about it, this is really racist. What if she made the same kind of comment, but it's the black people who are not getting their shots, who refuse to get their shots? Do you think for a second it would be okay if Jen Psaki said that, oh, well, we're having a problem with the black community, so the Biden administration has invested $3 billion into educational PSAs on the Fat, on the Fat Albert TV series, the Popeye's chicken, uh, chicken franchise, and the NBA? Wouldn't that be considered racist? Or at least stereotyping. My God, this is... People... And you know, the media never question that. It's like, uh, you think all evangelical conservatives watch... The, I don't even... The Deadliest Catch? I don't even remember the name of the show because I've never... I've heard of it. I've never watched it. So unifying. The Biden administration is just so unifying. Anyway, I would say I would say it is even irritating if it weren't so stupid. Here, you look at these. You look at these stories, and all of these stories are just stupid. But they're out there, and they're just changing our country. That's not a good thing. Packing the Supreme Court, ending the filibuster. That's actually changing our country. It's not a good thing. The broad who spent $1.4 million on a house in an all-white neighborhood based off funds from her organization that denounces whites. That's just stupid. It's it, it just, you guys don't, 
these guys don't see it. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, you can uh, download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, YouTube, and Rumble. You can visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and actually take a look at where I got this information. I hope you have a great day. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Thank you.